people want to hear from our students and they want to choose from different sessions and they want to struggle through the program. Do I go here? Do I go there? When do I go over to fine arts? She said, we can do this. We can create a professional conference here at UMBC because we have the caliber of students and faculty and staff to pull it off. And I just want to say thank you to Teresa Viancourt because we really have pulled it off. And it's largely through her passion, her leadership, her vision, um, her patience and persistence. We now have concurrent sessions and the sessions are full. We now have posters ongoing even at this very moment. We took enough of a risk to say, you know what, we can have a plenary here and still have things going on out there. People can still choose throughout the entire day and make very hard choices. Uh, she said, let's try a panel symposium. Let, let's get a panel. We have a panel symposium on ethics. We have an arts exhibit that's taking place in the stairwell of fine arts. Um, we're really on the edge now. And we have eight venues. And, and it's just an inspiration. And in large measure, it was the inspiration of Teresa Viancor to take it to these heights. Can you join me in thanking Teresa Viancor? Not really, but um, I think most of you know that, that Teresa is retiring and we're really going to miss her, but my hunch is when you come back next year, you'll see Dr. Viancourt, you'll see Teresa here as well. It's going to be hard, I think, for her not to join us on that day. Um, I know that if you've been here since early this morning, you must be as informed, as moved, and as inspired as I have been listening to our students. Um, both the poster sessions where I had to go up to certain folks and say, um, I'm a behavioral scientist, can you translate this for me? And they were able to do so. And I remember Art Johnson always asking our students that question, make sure that you can present to anyone and make it accessible. You know, do that translation so they become as informed and as excited as you are. And that's exactly what was happening here this morning. Um, I also want to send greetings from uh, Dr. Rabowski, our president, Dr. Hirschman, our provost. They were called to a meeting at um, College Park today. The Secretary of Education, Governor O'Malley, and others are assembling to talk about STEM education. So if you look around and you don't see them today, and you don't see our deans who are in those fields, or faculty who are in those fields, or even some of our students, it's because they were all called down um, to College Park to really help set the agenda for STEM education in the future. So it's with regrets that they're not here, but we'll be very excited to see what they bring back. Um, talk about the greening of the campus. It has many meanings in that context. So if you think about what's going on today, we really do have the largest and most um, diverse group of presentations here this year. We have over 100 students presenting in multiple venues. I said before, it takes a campus, and it truly does. There are more than 75 student and staff volunteers working here today to make sure everything is going smoothly. We've had eight faculty volunteer to facilitate in the oral presentations and moderate those sessions, make sure that the technology is working and people are moving through on time. But you see some people here today, but if you watch over the course of the year, you'll see people who are meeting and working all year long, from this day until this day again next year. And we have two of our, our chairs of our, uh, our committees who are here today and many of those committee members. But I'd like to ask Skip Morin and Vin Grable to please stand. Um, Skip has uh, chaired the ERCAD committee, and Vin has chaired the URA committee. We say thank you. And with 
persons who've worked on those committees please stand also? Do we have faculty who've helped them on those committees? Thank you so much. We have 47 students and student groups you'll meet later who were selected through the URA process this year. It's a lot of work to go down from as many applicants that we now get um, to those that we can afford to sponsor. And it's a wonderful, wonderful problem to have. As you look and listen to our students, keep in mind uh, their creative work, whether in the sciences, whether in English, whether in art, whether in dance, you're looking at the future professionals in this country. You're looking at the future scientists, the future humanists, the future artists, the future academics, and the future teachers. And I don't know about you, but it gives me a great deal of hope. Uh, it gives me a great deal of hope and faith in what we'll see in the future. But we also know that undergraduate research plays a very important role in the development of those persons as professionals, that this is quite a journey, and that without this, there would be something missing. This uh, undergraduate research gives students an opportunity to apply and to develop their interests, their skills, and to then launch into their professional careers. Uh, research at the undergraduate level is important for the depth and perspective that it gives to classroom education. Can you imagine not having this experience at UMBC? I can't. And I can't imagine that our students would not be able to say, oh, I've done a presentation, I've done several before they're in graduate school. Oh, I've published a research paper, I've written a proposal, I know how to do that work. It is the work of faculty, it is the work of graduate students, and at UMBC we are thrilled because it's the work of our undergraduate students as well. They also have a chance to work very closely with faculty mentors, and these relationships we know too are absolutely critical when we talk about their academic and professional journeys. They're coached and supported by our faculty, mentors who share their time, who share their expertise, who share their encouragement. Um, you can't ask for more, and we have many of our faculty mentors here today. Uh, mentors this year, mentors year past. Will you stand, please? to be acknowledged. Anyone who has ever mentored a student in undergraduate research. Thank you. We have a full program and I'm, I'm going to cut my comments short here. Um, Vin Grable is going to be introducing our student speaker, Callie Brandt from Ancient Studies, and then Teresa Viancourt will be introducing our faculty speaker, Anthony Johnson. And you'll get to hear a little bit about their quest as researchers. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks very much, Diane. It's really a pleasure for me to introduce Kelly Brandt. Uh, we've <coughs> had a wonderful time uh, working with Kelly as a student. Of course, we had to share her as well because she's an ancient history, ancient studies major, in addition to being a visual arts major in art history. Um, but She's a superlative student in every regard. Uh, her exemplary academic skills have won the, uh, the praise of all of her professors, I imagine, in both, both departments. And she's earned a grade point average of 4.0 uh, throughout her time at UMBC. Last year, she was inducted into Phi Beta Kappa. And um, uh, Kelly is also a humanities scholar, as well as a member of the Honors College. Um, she's made the dean's list and received several semester academic honors for every semester she's been here at UMBC. And she's been placed on the president's list for the past three semesters. Um, 
Kelly was uh, selected to receive a Department Student Recognition Award from both departments of Visual Arts and Ancient Studies, and I think that is a testament to her holistic skill set, skill uh, skills. Uh, and in, in addition, she uh, won an undergraduate research award in 2007, and so is familiar with this process. And uh, with that, I'll turn it over to Kelly. Hello, everyone, and congratulations to the new URA scholars. My name is Callie Brandt, and I would like to tell you about my experience as an undergraduate researcher here at UMBC. My story begins in Hagerstown, Maryland, which is where I went to high school and where I grew up. I was in my senior year of high school at North High when I took a Latin course and my professor taught me that languages are not just about grammar, but they're also connected to history, archeology, span and art, and a lot more too. Um, at this time, I began looking for a college with a strong program in ancient studies. I noticed UMBC because its ancient studies department was very strong and had a good reputation. But another thing caught my eye that I did not realize would shape my experience so much here, the possibility to conduct research as an undergrad. Not only does UMBC stress that undergrads can do research too, but they can have it funded by the Undergraduate Research Award Program. In case I decided to go on to grad school, I wanted to take advantage of this opportunity that I knew would put me in a good position should I apply. I came to UMBC in the fall of 2005 as a member of the Honors College and the Humanities Scholars Program. My introduction to research, however, came when I was a sophomore and I took a course with Dr. Richard Mason in the Ancient Studies Department. In this class, eight students became eight curators, and we put together an exhibition. It was called The Glory of Ruins, and it featured photographs that each of us had selected of Greek sculpture and architecture, taken from right here on campus at the Special Collections. Once I actually helped to create a show, I noticed how each curatorial decision affects what the viewer, or you, see. A classmate and I presented on this at our first ERCAD in a poster, we showed how this exhibit, um, we showed how this class put together the exhibit. It's required for humanities scholars to study abroad, so the spring of my sophomore year, I began to think about a project that I could research while living in Italy that fall. While abroad, I knew that I wanted to study art that I otherwise would not be able to access here in the US. At the time, I was studying stories from the Latin, or excuse me, I was translating stories for a Latin class from the Metamorphoses, a poem by the ancient Roman author Ovid. I recall from an art history course I had taken as a freshman, a great artist named John Lorenzo Bernini, and he had created this awesome sculpture, the Apollo and Daphne. Further investigation led me to two other sculptures by this genius of the Roman Baroque, his Pluto and Persephone, and Aeneas's flight from Troy. Not only do all three sculptures portray stories from Ovid's Metamorphoses, but conveniently, they are all located in one museum in Rome, the Galleria Borghese. I won an undergraduate research award to study how an artist uses sculpture to represent the idea of change and to compare it with how a poet conveys the same concept. To do this, when I visited the Galleria Borghese, I analyzed the sculptures, searching for the source of my reactions. During my visit, I considered the composition 
and how it changed by walking around it. Something that I cannot do when looking at a photo or a text on the screen, on a computer screen. Then, to gain the best sense of what Ovid was saying, I looked at the original Latin text and I referred to an English translation. By examining the Latin, I saw how specific word choices, with their different shades of meaning, shape the message to the reader. I found that the more representations I have of one concept, the more comprehensive my understanding of it. This is especially applicable to education, where both images and literature can illustrate abstract ideas such as love, justice, truth, change. Rome is where I became comfortable saying, my major is art history. Before studying abroad, I wasn't quite sure what path I wanted to pursue. But then here I was in Rome, and I was there to learn about art, where it was made, and to conduct art historical research. Three of my five courses were on site, and we spent hours trekking up and down the hills of Rome, not to see art, but to experience it, and actually stand inside it. After this, I can consider art more as an art historian, and less just as a student of art history. When I returned to the States, I gave an illustrated talk at ERCAD on my research, which became my honors senior thesis, entitled Two Media, Same Metamorphoses? The Works of Ovid and Bernini. If you would like to read it, it is in the new UMBC Review, copies of which are available here today, right outside the door here. After presenting my thesis, I wanted to try a more hands-on approach to research. So last summer, I spent three weeks doing archaeology on the west coast of the Peloponnesus. Each day at the dig site, called Eclena, I learned how an object evolves from being an artifact in the ground to something that actually explains the Bronze Age Greeks to archaeologists and perhaps visitors in a museum. One day as I was working in the dirt, the director of the program pointed to an area and suggested that I dig there. As I swept over the dirt with a coarse brush, white stones emerged. I was excited, but I had to remember not to dig just around that object. Instead, an archaeologist patiently uncovers the surrounding area layer by layer so that the object reveals itself. By the end of the excavation, that stone that I saw became a stone wall, which became part of a complex network of architecture at a Bronze Age site. I returned from my dig and began volunteering at the Washington County Museum of Fine Arts in Hagerstown. The curator allowed me to work with her and her small team that run the museum. I helped take inventory of the collection and storage. So here I was, an art historian, an aspiring art historian rather, in a basement full of art, unsupervised. I picked up hundred-year-old portraits of people that are hidden away in storage and wondered how to balance the unknown works with those works that are famous by Picasso and Rembrandt and so on. This started me thinking about issues in museums, such as why we assign importance to some pieces versus others and how to address this with art history. This past January, I had the opportunity once again to observe a museum from the inside. I was an intern at the Walters Art Museum in Baltimore with the curator of Renaissance and Baroque art. I organized files and compiled bibliographies on all the paintings from a room called the Collector's Study. Though my job may not have been glamorous, I used that time at the Walters to observe what a curator actually does on a day-to-day -day basis, and I listened to the people that are behind the scenes, the people who clean, handle, and store, and accept the new artworks. These are the people who know the art intimately, and when you put the experts together, you have a successfully functioning museum. I didn't come to UMBC knowing that I would 
what I would want to research or that I would have this interest in museums. But I developed my questions along the way and I continue to ask. This is why I'm here today at ERCAD to present with my classmate Sarah Ryan about an exhibition of photography. We are poster number 20 if you'd like to stop by and ask us questions about our latest project. It is because of this constant curiosity that I discovered what I want to pursue. In the fall, I am going to study art history in a sequential MA PhD program at the Institute of Fine Arts at NYU. I see art history as one way of understanding the world, and my travels and research have trained me to analyze and to articulate some of its issues in order to bring awareness and perhaps change. Thank you for your attention. Thank you, Callie, for nicely illustrating the threads that begin from undergraduate research. It gives me great pleasure uh, to introduce Dr. Anthony Johnson today. Dr. Johnson came to UMBC in 2003 from the New Jersey Institute of Technology, where he was chairperson and distinguished professor of physics. Dr. Johnson earned his BS in physics from the Polytechnic Institute of New York and is PhD in physics from the City University, City College of the City University of New York. Um, he is at UMBC, director of the Center for Advanced Studies in Photonics Research. We call it CASPER. Um, he's also a professor of physics at UMBC. He's also a professor of computer science and electrical engineering at UMBC. Um, he has many, many um, academic and professional roles, awards, and accomplishments, but we ask him to talk today about his interest in supporting undergraduates in research, giving them the opportunity to take this first major step toward their future professional career. Um, he is a mentor to current UMBC undergraduates the parent of a UMBC alumnus who conducted research here as an undergraduate. And since his days in the research division of Bell Laboratories, he has continuously mentored and trained undergraduate and graduate students in various photonics laboratories for a period of over 25 years. Dr. Johnson, please. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. It is a um, quite a pleasure and an honor to be invited to, to talk here at uh, URCAD about undergraduate research. And uh, would like to say a few things about how this impacted me. Uh, in fact, um, it would be uh, it would be appropriate to say that it was transformative for for me uh, during research and and getting me started in my career. Uh, would it be possible to turn the lights down? Great. Um, as a hardcore bench scientist, I cannot give a talk without view graphs. <laughs> so, um, as you can see, this is just traditional. Uh, I uh, got my start doing uh, undergraduate research um, at uh, AT&T Bell Laboratories a number of years ago. 
And that's what gave me the spark to go on for my PhD and actually into the field of photonics. And so it had a profound effect and I've been fortunate in that uh, I spent um, 14 years in research at AT&T Bell Laboratories in the research division and then uh, eight years as chair of the Department of Physics at uh, NJIT, New Jersey Institute of Technology, and then roughly five and a half years here at UMBC as the director of CASPER and as a faculty member in physics and electrical engineering. Um, so let's start. Um, as I said, I got my start. I I'm a, grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and, and went to Polytechnic Institute of Brooklyn, now Polytechnic Institute of New York, again changed to Polytechnic University, um, and I got my uh, bachelor's degree in physics there. But it was, it was there as a junior in physics that my physics professor heard about this new program at AT&T Bell Laboratories. Uh, it was called the Summer Research Program for Minorities and Women. And basically the idea, it was the first um, research, summer research program in an industrial lab of its kind. Uh, and it was basically designed because in the research division at Bell Labs, there was a dearth of women and minority researchers at Bell Labs. And this was an attempt to quote unquote grow their own by getting uh, interested undergraduates starting typically at the junior level to come in and work with researchers and get them excited about uh, research who will eventually go on for PhDs and perhaps join Bell Labs. So this first photo, um, I hate to say, is uh, <laughs> 35 years ago, I started at, uh, my first research uh, stint at Bell Laboratories. My, my research professor at, at Brooklyn, at Poly, told me about Bell Labs, about this program. I had never even heard of Bell Labs. And uh, he encouraged me to apply, and I did. And I had the opportunity, I was given the opportunity, and again, this was 1974, this was the first year of the program. Um, I had the opportunity to work with two, two, two scientists, David Austin in the areas of lasers and picosecond optoelectronics, or Bob Dines in the area of low temperature physics and superconductivity. Those in, in the physics and electrical engineering fields know that these are luminaries in the field. Uh, Dave Austin uh, was uh, uh, past president of Case Western Reserve and is now president of the Kavli Institute, which is a philanthropic organization. And Bob Dines is the recently past president of the University of California. So I couldn't go wrong, but I, 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 I felt I would like to learn something about lasers. Now when I, at Brooklyn Poly, I, I had physics courses and I had a little bit of optics, but it wasn't exciting. I wasn't really interested in it, but it was this summer experience that made me, an, uh, that turned me on to photonics, where I got to work with exciting lasers. This monstrosity is a big neodymium glass laser, which I had the opportunity to work with. And this is Dave Austin, who was my mentor uh, that year. Uh, and also, the following year, I got a Bell Labs Fellowship to get a PhD in physics, and he became my co-thesis advisor as well, and is a dear friend to this day. Um, so here, <laughs> I is the, actually, my, uh, the chair of the department at Brooklyn Poly, Helmut Uretsky, really pushed on me to write a bachelor's thesis based on my summer experience. And so this is the first page of the bachelor's thesis, which I was reluctantly wrote, but I learned quite a bit in the process. And here is the, um, 
again, uh, Helmut Uresky and Dave Austin would advise us. Now, this was really quite an experience for me to write this, and I learned so much in the process, and I actually got my first scientific award for best bachelor's thesis from the from Sigma Psi, the scientific research organization. Now, for those of you students, note that this is type. <laughs> I had to actually type my thesis. Some of you have probably never even seen a type. <laughs> That's what we had to do in those days. Now, the other thing that was really fantastic about this was that the research that I had done that year was with, was actually with Dave Austin, was actually his research at Bell Labs. And so I did enough that summer to actually publish my first paper. And so the, the title of that paper was Microarray Switching by Picosecond Photoconductivity. And I am the first author and I wrote the paper along with, with the bachelor's thesis. And this was in the IEEE Journal of Quantum Electronics. This was a very busy year for me because not only did I graduate a bachelor's degree in, in physics from Brooklyn Poly in 1975, in June of 1971, but I got married the same day <laughs> to my Brooklyn sweetheart, and we've been married 34 years. So it was a, that was a very busy year for me to write the thesis, the paper, and everything. And now um, it's come full circle. Some of you may know this is my son, Brandon Johnson, who um, finished his bachelor's degree here in mechanical engineering this past December. And he was a Meyerhoff scholar in M16, and he will go to Stanford uh, in the fall on their full fellowship. This is Brandon at uh, UC Berkeley in the summer of 2006 in the uh, nanoengineering lab of Dr. Arun Majumdar. And so he did a, a project on the exploration of nanoengineering, iron and heat transport. So again, undergraduate research at the, at, at the center of this. And uh, he's had a wonderful experience here and is looking forward to going to Stanford in the fall. Now here's a student that I um, had at NJIT. This, his name is Robinson Quise, and he came to me as an undergraduate physics major at NJIT. He was a Ronald McNair scholar, and he joined my lab. He approached me uh, in my optics lab at NJIT, and I gave him some projects in MODOK lasers and nonlinear optics. Now this was a student who probably had told me that he would had no interest in going on to graduate school. And I had to really work with him. But he was so talented, is so talented, that he, I, he finally got him to finish the, he finished his bachelor's degree. And then he joined my group at, in applied physics at NJT. And then I got the wonderful offer to come here to head Casper. And, I, and he actually moved with me from New Jersey to Maryland and helped me build my ultrafast optics and optoelectronics lab. And so he will finish his PhD this year probably over the summer, but definitely by the end of the year. And uh, he will be uh, one of typically 10 to 15 Latino Americans in the U.S. receiving a Ph.D. in physics. The numbers are very poor in, in physics uh, for underrepresented minorities and women. And so we're looking forward to that. And he's, so th this is a picture actually in one of my current labs here at UMBC. Now here's another undergraduate student that I'm quite proud of, and this is Brian Bruce, who's a senior in CSEE. And what I show here is um, the, uh, uh, basically the third year report to the National Science Foundation 
for our MIRTH Engineering Research Center. So we're part of MIRTH, which is Mid Infrared Technology for Health and Environment. It's a National Science Foundation Engineering Research Center. And uh, we just went through our NSF review this past February, and we passed, we actually passed with flying colors. And uh, on the cover of the report is Brian Bruce, one of our uh, CSCE students, and also a Meyerhoff scholar, an M17. And so he's been in my lab, he's one of the undergraduate students who's been in my lab for the past two years, has been supported and doing MIRTH-related research in um, optical properties of semiconductors, Raman spectroscopy, and testing of quantum cascade lasers. And he will be going to College Park uh, for graduate school in the fall. And this, picture, this is actually a picture of him working in the lab of the Princeton director of, the, of MIRTH, uh, Dr. Claire Gamarco, and he's working here on quantum cascade lasers. <coughs> Another student um, that joined my group last summer is Benjamin Ecker. Now, his, his story is quite interesting. He is an undergraduate physics major here at UMBC, and he had just completed his uh, freshman year. And he had this strong desire to do research, but because he had just only had freshman experience, he was finding it very difficult to find someone that was willing to let him come into the laboratory. And so he contacted me, and I, you know, I was a little skeptical at first, I must admit. And, but I, ha I had him come over and I interviewed him. And this was the brilliant young man. I said, how could anyone turn this guy down? Uh, I, I, you know, he didn't have a lot of experience, but you could tell that he is a fast learner and he's just so eager to do things. And so basically, I basically got support from Princeton for the MIRTH RU program, the Research Experience for Undergraduates. And he spent last summer in my laboratory doing time ultrafast uh, measurements of novel semiconductor materials. And so this is a student that knew, had no optics experience. And by, by the end of the 10 weeks, he had mastered the use of this Moloch neodymium uh, vanadate laser and actually did these times of uh, uh, reflectivity measurements and measured things like carrier, basically carrier lifetimes and, very, and, and novel semiconductor materials. And he learned all of that in 10 weeks and he worked his tail off. I mean, he would be there late every night until he got it, until he got it. And he did, it was a wonderful experience. This, pay, this poster should be here at UARCAD. Uh, but he was, he's been so busy that he didn't want to submit it, but here it is. This, his poster should be next door. And since I didn't have a, um, a photo of him, <laughs> I took, I, I blew up the recent um, uh, Meyerhoff Scholars Dinner and there's Ben. So uh, he's now a sophomore, he's an M19 Meyerhoff Scholar, and he did this work in my laboratory. And, and this summer, unfortunately, uh, MIRTH is, has a strict rule that you cannot have repeat REU students because they want, they want the students to go around to the other partners in MIRTH and other, and other things. So, so he's had to apply to other programs. And so he ended up going, he will be going to NIST and their SURF program, Summer Undergraduate Research Fellowship Program at NIST this summer. You know, uh, uh, and, and, and I know he'll do well. This also will be in photonics. And so I'm looking forward to having him come back and possibly uh, work during the, during the semester in, in, my, in my lab. He's done, uh, done quite well. 
Uh, I've also had the opportunity to, um, typically in the summer times, I have the opportunity to uh, have uh, some of the undergrad, the middle school students come and visit my one of my laser labs. And so this was a, a case of, of our ESTEAM program here, which is the Enhancing Science and Technology Education and Ex Exploration Mentoring Program Summer Camp. And this is during the summer of, of, of 2005. Now, uh, folks at the Optical Society of America uh, got wind of this visit and actually sent a staffer down to uh, uh, interview me and the students and to take some pictures. So this was published in uh, Optics and Photonics News in uh, 2005. And as you can see, I really enjoyed uh, giving this demonstration and hopefully some budding scientists there, some optic scientists. Uh, this is, again, middle schools and local uh, uh, Anne Arundel and uh, in Baltimore County. And finally, I just want to give a, this is a picture uh, of uh, from uh, 2008 of my research group, again showing that it is indeed quite diverse. I have a number of graduate students, and these are my two undergraduates. This is uh, Brian Bruce and Dan Wessling. Those two will be graduating this year. They're both EE students. I have both EE and physics students since I'm in both departments. And uh, I will uh, just stop there. This is a wonderful group to work with, and it keeps expanding. And, this, and again, this is just a short snapshot of what's going on in my laboratory. But research, the undergraduate research was critical in me making these decisions uh, and the fortunate things I've been able to do in my career, starting with that summer research experience at Bell Laboratories. And I wouldn't even be doing optics if it wasn't for that uh, summer experience. Thank you. Are there any questions or does any questions for Dr. Jones? Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ms. Brandt. Thank you, Dr. Johnson. I like the notion of an ultra fast optics group. I imagine you graduate your undergraduates in two years rather than four. <laughs> um, it gives me great pleasure to introduce the UMBC Review, but more importantly, the students who made the UMBC Review. Um, many of you may not know that this is a student project from beginning to end. The editors are undergraduates. The designer is an undergraduate. The UMBC Review is the product of their work in the same sense that the posters in the ballroom are the product of the research conducted in various laboratories and by various scholars to the same extent that the creative achievements of the dancers in the dance venue and the artists in the fine arts building are the production of their creative efforts. This is the effort of our students. And I would like to introduce them. This is our 10th volume, our 10th edition. Um, and as I name the students who were involved with the production of this, will you please stand up? Um, so that the audience can see you and appreciate your efforts. Um, the co-editors for the 2009 volume were Stephanie Ferrone, Danielle, Danielle Kennedy, Danielle, Danielle Kennedy, and Alex Pikzinski, 
who could not make it today. Okay, that's a good enough reason. Um, thank you very much. Um, untold hours went into the reviewing of 20 student submissions, um, with resulting in the selection of 10 top articles. These students worked with the authors, helping them learn how to refine their writing and communicate clearly and articulately with their audience. Um, Stephanie, in particular, is, is, has spent her second year on the review. She'll be graduating this year with a degree in physics and a minor in two or three other things and various <laughs> certificates of one thing or another. She's an overachiever. <laughs> But she's proud of it, and we're proud of it, too. Um, so she had, uh, has made an extraordinary commitment to the quality and the content and the presentation for the review, and we thank her very much for that. Um, we are also grateful to the design work on this. The person who created the layout of the text, the person who had the clever idea to make the little black dividers between articles, the artwork, and so on. And this designer for the 10th volume was Miss Blake Mock. Are you here, Blake? Oh, back there. Thank you very much. These students produced the review, but they were guided and they were mentored by two really fabulous um, faculty mentors. The text editors we're fortunate to be mentored by Raphael Falco. Raphael, are you here? Are you here? And the mentor for the design work um, was Gwyneth Abraham in the back there. And we, we thank all of you very much for, for all the wonderful work here. Um, I'm sure the editors and authors and designer joined me in thanking um, the host of others who contributed to this work. The others include um, staff uh, reviewers who did some of the final reviewing to help fine-tune um, the articles, identify problems. These proofreaders were often not faculty, but they were members of the staff um, that Janet McGlynn would um, recruit by walking down the hall and say, would you like to help us do something scholarly? And Thankfully, they said yes to her. Um, I would like to now introduce, along with Lynn Grable, um, the Undergraduate Research Awards Scholars for this year. This was a bumper crop year. Um, we were fortunate to have many um, good proposals from many talented students. Um, there were 82 applications, 47 awards were made, um, 20 faculty members were engaged in the review of these applications. This was a very professional review process, um, and the students who received the awards have earned those awards both through the clarity of their presentation, the originality of their thought, and um, the quality of their overall application. As I read your names, um, 
Would you please stand up and we will then at the end um, recognize all of the students and their faculty mentors as we go along. Okay, so let me start. Stephanie Battelle, or Battle, her advisor is Hua Lu. Maria Bednarek, whose advisor is Marie Christine Daniel. Mikhail Beckerman, whose advisor is Wee Hong Lin. Richard Brown, advisor Paul Smith. Richard, Paul, thank you. Melissa Chapman, uh, whose advisor is Andrea Kalfoglu. Mosan Chaudhry, whose advisor is Ram Hosmani. Uh, Jeffrey Clapp and his mentor, Kathleen Hoffman. Ryan Connor, whose faculty advisor, Mari Jose Castellanos. George Kutzel III, whose faculty advisor is Veronica Sele. Han Dong, faculty advisor, Ray Chen. And Vivian Iki, faculty advisor, Sarah Poggio. I think they're neither, neither are here right now. Okay. Yes. Uh, Jarrett Farmer, uh, mentor, Mick Michael Lane. Thank you. Uh, Sandra Gammon, Carolyn Kohler, his mentor. Gregory uh, Gottney, junior, faculty advisor, Tom Field. Tom? Uh, James Garrity, advisor, Vanderlei Martins. Uh, Saba Gulamali, uh, faculty mentor, Sarah Charg. And there's more. Wayne Hevener, faculty advisor, Jeffrey Davis. Not, not present today. Uh, Lucas Horn, whose faculty advisor is Jeff Lipes. There is a co-advisor for that, and that's Michelle Stars Guyana. Thank you. Betty Irungu, faculty advisor, Tyson King Meadows. Allison Iceberg and Gail Organfinger. Sarah Kabram, whose faculty advisor is Richard Carpell. Nathaniel Kim, faculty advisor, Catherine Seely Radke. Uh, Arij Karashi, uh, Carissa Chi. Stephen Log, advisor, Kathy Cook. Atahira Madi, Sean Bediako, he's the advisor. I've lost my place. Jessica Michaels. <laughs> Jessica Michaels, advisor Ram Hosmani. <laughs> Matthew Murphy, Kevin Omlin is the advisor. And Kevin O'Malley, faculty advisor Paul Smith. Okay. Sarah Paquette, faculty advisor Irie Yashioka. Shane Parks, uh, Susan McCulley is the advisor. 
Anand Patel, faculty advisor, Tim Tobolesky. Where's, where's Tim? Elizabeth Plum, faculty advisor, Richard Carpell, again. Uh, Patrick Riffey, Reif. Uh, Steve Bradley is the advisor. Joseph Ring, faculty advisor, Daniel Fabry. Elizabeth Scott, faculty advisor, Joseph Coates. Anna Sio, faculty advisor, Carissa Chi. Sarah Solomon, faculty advisor, Gloria Chiku. Okay. Uh, a few more. Megan Summers, faculty advisor, Joseph Marin, Skip Marin. Christina Teixeira, faculty advisor, William Lacruz. Of course, sorry. Stephanie Kachik, faculty advisor, Lucille McCarthy. Margarita Sionsky, faculty advisor, is Hua Lu. And Susan Wilmus, faculty advisor, Michelle Oshro. Hannah Wilson, faculty advisor, Julia Ross. Michelle Wilson, faculty advisor, Calla Thompson. Naomi Wolford, faculty advisor, George Lanou. And Rebecca Zia, faculty advisor, Carissa Chia. In addition, um, the faculty review committee identified nine URA finalists, students whose URA proposals had substantial merit, but could not be funded this year. Please talk to your deans and the provost. That's partly the result of uh, so many more applications that we, that we expected. Uh, last year, um, or this year, we just um, were overwhelmed with, with excellent proposals. So the first we would of like the to name those. yes the, the, the nine finalists are uh, Leif Huber, uh, whose faculty advisor is Tim Ginling, and Earl Johnson, whose advisor is Ilsa Lattis. Christopher Johnson, advisor Alan Wannenberger. Archana Morali, faculty advisor is Michelle Starts Guyano. And Lauren Proctor, whose advisor is Anne Christine Frankowski. Uh, in addition, Jacob Reed, faculty advisor, Carolyn Forestieri. Daniel Shook, whose advisor is Richard Carpell. Mary Hannah Rezasa, uh, advisor, Carol Hess. Catherine Waronwitz. Faculty advisor, Phyllis Robinson. So please congratulate all of these outstanding students. It's really marvelous. And because he's in the audience, please thank our previous provost, Art Johnson, for helping get this. this up and running and supporting it um, throughout the years and handing it off in really great shape. 
Um, Diane. Thank you very much. I had the opportunity both to open and to close. This has been a wonderful session. Um, it was absolutely joyous, informative, and moving to hear both of you, Callie and, and Anthony. Um, what in incredible journeys. Uh, I too remember typewriters, and I saw on one of his slides it said copy four. I remember carbon paper. <laughs> Research is new and different now, isn't it? <laughs> and we're very grateful for some of the advances that have made it um, so much easier. But we really do want to express our sincerest appreciation to, to all the people who have helped make this day happen. And you've met the URA scholars and their mentors who are going to make it happen next year as well. Uh, we'll be hearing the results of, of their year in um, on this very day next year. But there are a lot of people who do things behind the scenes and I don't want to, to neglect them. Uh, Fred Warden and Doug Hamby have arranged, managed, and moderated the dance and video presentations in the Fine Arts Building and I hope you had a chance to go over there. Um, just absolutely fabulous uh, exhibits and presentations. Still going on all afternoon. Thank you. Still going yes, on. One, Vince says all one afternoon. To, one to 3.30. 1 to 3.30. We do have a whole afternoon before us. That's absolutely right. And I'm just going to take a few more minutes standing in between you and getting back out uh, to the posters and clearing this for the presentations following. Uh, but we also wanted to thank the Commons Operation and staff and workforce. Um, they have really been helpful. We had a few technology blips. We had somebody working on the roof. And everybody's been just really, really good behind the scenes, making sure that everything worked and worked well. And I'm really upset because I don't see Janet McGlynn. And I didn't know whether to have her at the beginning of the program or the behind the scenes. Because oftentimes she's really out front, uh -huh. as Teresa mentioned. Is Janet here? She stepped out, uh -huh. wouldn't you know? Well, um, you'll have to let her know how much we appreciate all that she has done. Uh, she really works tirelessly and endlessly on this project. Um, Skip said in his letter she works 52 weeks of the year, and that's absolutely true. Uh, we sometimes have to rein her back in, but every year she gets a new idea. And if any of you saw a flyer that said you might be interested in these presentations, uh, Janet created those with the help of our students and other staff in the Office <coughs> of Undergraduate Education. Um, she does go out, and as she refers to it, she chats people up to make sure that they'll be interested, that they'll come, and that they'll, they'll, they'll want to be part of this endeavor. So she's really done a great deal to orchestrate, plan, and um, as she puts it, really market this event. And she's done a fabulous, fabulous job. And I'm really sorry she's not here um, so that we can, you know, applaud her together. But let's do it anyway, and we can pass on the message. In closing, I was thinking about the poet Rilke, and he encouraged us to dwell in the questions. And this day really is about an indwelling in the questions. It's about thinking deeply. It's about giving way to curiosity and educational imagination. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to think that we actually can spend our time, our days, our as we know, our evenings and our weekends and our summers, um, but engaging in questions that really do call to us and say to us, you know, help, help find a response, help craft a response. Uh, we've been in this together. Some call it a struggle, and we know uh, that there are times where we might do a little bit of backsliding, times where it might be difficult. In some fields, you don't get a statistical significance of 0.05, not to mention 0.001. Um, but it, it's a wonderful journey. I was with Yuri Treisman uh, last evening. He's the executive director of the Dana Center. And he said, when it comes to research, 
Humility has to be your friend. Mm -hmm. And I think in many ways we are humbled by the questions that we posed um, and we are elevated by the journey that we take in responding to those questions. Um, Janet just walked in. Janet, will you please stand so that we can say thank you. sure there's push pins in the morning. She's here to make sure that we have chocolate and uh, granola bars throughout the day. There's a sign that when every student comes in, you must eat before you present. <laughs> so when I say Janet dots every I and crosses every T, believe me, she really, really does. And we are very grateful for her work and for the work of everyone here and for everyone's presence today. Um, as Vin noted, please do make sure that you go to Fine Arts. That will be continuing. There'll be presentations here. There'll be presentations in the room next door. And the posters are still up till 3.30. Please enjoy the day. And thank you so much for coming.